It's so good to be with you guys. Happy Sunday. How many of you guys are excited to be in church? So do you have your Bible? Okay, well, if you don't, it's all good. We got a screen for you. Romans 12, verse 9 through 13. We're going to be reading today from the message version of the Bible. And uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about a topic that is so rarely discussed in church, but is so extremely important to the church as a whole. So if you've got your uh, thinking caps on, you go ahead and open the Bible, Romans 12. We're going to go through a lot of scripture to start. So uh, it's going to be good. Romans 12, verse 9 through 13 in the message. Let's read it from the screen. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. We can stop right there. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends. We can stop there. Be good friends. Jesus worked so many miracles, but nobody ever talks about the supernatural miracle it was that Jesus had 12 close friends in his 30s. Be good friends who love deeply. That's so good, y'all. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Look at your neighbor and say, don't retire. Refire. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert. Somebody say, stay woke. Servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Y'all love that I dropped that in there. Don't quit. Now, this is a good part, too. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Here's the last part. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Let me read that last line one more time. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Today, the title of my message is Inventive in Hospitality. I think that we as a church, I want to invite you in to becoming more creative in how you help others. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Jesus, teach us how to be hospitable in the same way that you were hospitable. The way you invited people to follow you is, is a picture of beauty. And Lord, I pray that we would not first see differences in other human beings, but that we would see our similarities, primarily our absolute dependence upon our creator. God, could we acknowledge that we are all fragile? That we're all doing our best to love our way through the darkness. And God, we ask that you would unite us together in this effort, in this pursuit of the Holy One, Jesus Christ. Transform us today. Somebody say, transform me. I want to know more about how you feel, God, about hospitality and caring for other people. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. So I thought to start, we could do something that I don't normally do to start, which is give us a really strong foundation, a biblical overview of what hospitality is according to the Bible. 
Now, if I could give you a short definition of biblical hospitality from the jump, this is what it would be. Biblical hospitality is honoring God by serving those around us, welcoming them into our lives and homes. You can just poke somebody next to you, you know, because I know this is challenging. Biblical hospitality is honoring God by serving those around us, welcoming them into our lives and homes, welcoming people into those private places, welcoming people into the places that we don't often share with other people, that we like to keep a secret. Biblical hospitality is inviting people in. You guys with it so far? It's inviting people in. And the early church, man, they did such a great job at practicing hospitality. They gave us a picture of what hospitality looks like from a biblical and historical perspective, what it looks like to be a spiritual community practicing this principle of the kingdom of heaven. So the first thing that I want to point out, I'm going to give you guys this overview with a lot of scriptures. The first thing that I want to point out about hospitality was that for the early church, this was a core value. It was just a part of their culture. And one of the first ways that they practiced it was by taking care of one another. Christians took care of other Christians. Doesn't that seem like a novel idea? Doesn't that seem like a crazy concept? That Christians would really take care of other Christians. Last night, Allison and I, uh, we, were, uh, we were getting ready to go out to dinner, and we stopped by the gas station uh, to get, get some quick fuel, fuel up. And this guy, you know those people are like, hey, man, you like hip-hop? Uh, so you, you, guys, yeah, you guys know what I'm saying? Hey, man, you like rap? And, and so I was like, I'm good. You know, that was my first, I'm good, you know. And, uh, and, then, I, and then I opened, I, I pulled out my wallet to pay, and I had a $5 bill. I never have cash, ever. I never have cash. And, uh, and I saw that five, and I said, actually, what do you got? You know, and he was like, oh, I just got this CD. You know, we're trying to open for, for, these, for these people. And I was like, man, here, I didn't want to take the CD without giving you some money. Here's a five, here's a five man. Thank you for the CD, and uh, I, I appreciate it. You know, God bless you guys or whatever. He was like, okay, yeah, like, you know, hit us up. We're, tr- we're trying to open for these people. So um, I threw it in the front seat, and then when I jumped back in, after gassing up the car, Allison was playing it. And it was, it was really, I mean, it was colorful, right? And, um, you know, like, grimy, you know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, okay. Turn it up. You know, because <laughs> I like hip-hop. And so we're listening to it, and... Um, and, 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 you know, he, he got this one. He was pretty good. I, I don't remember his name, but he was pretty good. And, uh, and, and so we got to this song, and he was talking about family. And he was like, never turn your back on your family. Always protect your family. Never turn your back on your family. You know how rappers do that thing where they'll repeat the same thing twice? You guys know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't listen to rap. So, like, they'll repeat the same. It was like, never turn your back on your family. Never turn your back on your family. And I was like, I turned it down. I said, did you hear that? I asked Alice, I just said, did you hear that? I was like, listen, I, I know that it's a, I know there's a lot of colorful language, but if you listen, if you listen, you can hear 
and, and this is just my perspective, you can hear the art, you can hear the beauty, you can hear the pain, you can hear the truth of what somebody in this situation is experiencing. And then when we listen to this, we can learn. And I said, you, you hear how people are talking about family. Church don't talk about family like that. You hear how this person in pain and in anguish, suffering, uh, oppression, living a life that's hard, difficult, violent perhaps, and he's rapping about it, and the way he talks about family is the way I haven't really heard the church talk about family like that. And then I, I, I pulled up my Spotify because I saw somebody on Instagram. They were listening to this other hip-hop song, and I told Alice, I said, I heard this guy. We should listen to his song. And then I pulled it up, and guess what he said? You know, don't turn your back on your family. When you come up, set the little ones up. Give them a little money. You know, just because you, you didn't make everything that you could make, give it to your family. Help your family. I said, see, look, this is something that hip-hop is preaching to us that the church is not preaching to the world. And I was like... Seriously? I was like, you see in the Bible right here that Christians took care of other Christians. This is something that we can learn and from, from culture, from hip-hop culture. This is something we can learn, how people care for each other. They look after each other. Because I don't see that happening in a postmodern, millennial, radical individualism type of society, a secular culture where it's just me and mine, leave me alone. I come to church for me and my family instead of coming to church for God and his family. See, we're seeing these things where culture is beginning to prophesy to us, direct us. In, in such a way that saying, look, this is the heart of God for humanity, that they would take care of each other. And, and, and it's not about pushing it through with the political agenda. It's about being so filled radically with love that this is the natural outpouring of how we do community. Because some people look at Acts 4 and they're like, well, are you suggesting socialism? I'm saying, no, I'm suggesting that we get so possessed by the spirit of love that we don't see things as our own anymore. And we see things as belonging to everybody. Have I already dropped some major bombs already? I've talked about rap, hip hop, socialism. We can't podcast this now. I'm in trouble. (laughs) Acts 4. (laughs) Acts 4.32 Get this All believers were united in heart and mind And they felt Everybody say they felt Feelings are not bad That what they owned Was not their own So they shared Some of the things They shared a few of the things That they were tired of And were old at the back of their closet That they thought they should donate So they would feel better about themselves Dang. Well, I don't really like this anymore. What about the stuff you like? What about the stuff that costs you something to give away? It's not a seed till it hurts. A seed has a sting to it. Hashtag IMO, right, in my opinion. Y'all don't use that when you text? Okay. Anyways, my millennial is showing. But they, they, didn't, they didn't look at possessions and say, um, that's mine. They looked at possessions and said, that's ours. Any, anything was, was anyone's. 
I mean, just sit on that for a second. Think about that. It should be a divine challenge to us when we read these passages of Scripture. How many of you guys know that you don't just read the Bible? The Bible reads you. And the, divi- the Bible begins to prophesy to you about the possibilities of Christian community and life together. And when we read these scriptures and say, that was just for then. Right? We deny the life-giving truth and the essence of love that's available for all of humanity. And we propagate injustices by allocating scripture to, that was for then. Rather than this is God's truth, prophesying, challenging the world as it is, that we can truly shape and create heaven on the earth. I feel like this is better than some of you are saying amen right now. I can't tell. It's about 22% better. Are you guys with me, though? This is the first thing that the early church did. They took care of each other. Now, listen to this. They went beyond that. They didn't just take care of each other. They took care of strangers. They took care of people that were not like them. They took care of the poor. They took care of immigrants. They took care of people of other faiths. Right? They took care of Jewish babies. They were Christians. They took care of other, they took care of other people of other faiths who weren't like them, who disagreed with them, and who ultimately wanted to kill them. They took care of those people too. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You, when you choose to be hospitable to strangers, you, you set yourself up. For an angelic encounter. I'm going to try this side. So like when you choose to be hospitable to strangers, you set yourself up for an angelic encounter. Right? We're like, we want to see the supernatural, God. He's like, be nice to somebody you don't like. (laughs) You know, I mean, you, you know my heart. No. He's not a cardiologist. He's a creator. You know, I know how I made you. I know what your potential is. I know what your possibilities are. They took care of each other. Thirdly, they didn't just practice hospitality because they had to. It was not a religious rule. They practiced hospitality because they got to. It was a divine opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. How else were people to hear if they didn't see the people of Jesus loving people with all of themselves, right? How are people going to know that you're my disciples? By the love that you have for one another. They looked at this as an opportunity. 1 Peter 4 and 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, right? Hospitality is less about your actions and it is more about your attitudes, You can serve somebody in the wrong spirit, and that's not really biblical hospitality. It's when you share of yourself. It's when you open yourself up. It's when you invite people in. That's when we get to the place of hospitality. You can give, 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 and entertain, but to truly practice biblical hospitality, you got to invite people in, in, in. You guys guys with me? You get what I'm saying? 
So another way of reading that same passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 4 and 9 in the uh, NLT says, cheerfully, somebody say cheerfully. cheerfully, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Doesn't that just indict us? You know what I'm saying? Like, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. When's the last time we did that? It's a great opportunity to consider that. Opening your home has always been a huge part of Christian hospitality. And that's, that's a huge part of biblical hospitality. Hospitality means opening up your home. And the Apostle John encouraged uh, people to do this uh, from, from the start. And he encouraged people to open their home to missionaries. He encouraged people to open their home to, um, to uh, ministers. Uh, Jesus, think about, think about some of his last words on the cross. He was talking about, hey, you, take care of my mom. You ever think about that? Be hospitable. That's how important hospitality is to Jesus and to the early church, is that we would care for one another. And as a result, people inspired to seek Jesus. And then for church leaders, Hospitality was not an expectation. Hospitality was a qualification. If you weren't hospitable to people, the early church said, well, you can't lead people. How many of you guys know you can't really lead anybody you don't really love? How many of you guys know you can't really save anybody you won't really serve? And that's what biblical hospitality is all about. Titus 1 and 7, 7 and 8 says, since an overseer. Everybody say a pastor. That's what it is. I only got the front row. Everybody say a pastor. Y'all too hot? Y'all slowing down? An overseer, a pastor, manages God's household. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest game. Rather, what's the first qualification? He must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This was the culture of the early church, and this is the culture that the modern church must recover. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I love, love good hospitality. Anybody else in here? I mean, I'm not always the best contributor of hospitality, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm a great connoisseur of hospitality. I like hospitality. I, I, I like hotels for this very reason. I don't really like Air, Airbnbs for this very reason. Now, I know some of you guys are like really into Airbnbs and respect. You know, I, we, agree, we can agree to disagree, but I don't want to get up and make my own breakfast. Like I want to get up and put on one of them robes and order breakfast. Just, you know, sit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like I love I love, love, love to be taken care of, and uh, I'm not really the best host, to be honest. I, I need to grow in this gift because I'm not a great contributor, and some of my team can tell you, you don't want me hosting DNA because you'll have like a bag of carrots and celery and then some bottled waters that are hot, you know, so I've got to get better. This is something I need to grow in. You guys ever, like on Instagram, you see those memes, you know, that's like expectation versus reality, 
Like where you expect this, but then the reality is that, and it looks way worse than what you thought it was going to be, right? Like fast food. You know, you go to Sonic, you expect to be this beautiful hot dog, and then it shows up, and it's like terrible and nasty and disgusting. I saw a meme of that this week. You know, and it's just like expectation versus reality. For me, I have that. I have an expectation that when I host people, it's going to look like a kinfolk gathering. You know, so I'm like, oh, it's going to be beautiful, and it's just going to be, you know, just decadent, and there's going to be fresh flowers, and it's going to smell nice, and the food's going to be wonderful, but then my reality is I forget so many things, and I don't end up having the nice stuff, and I forget the waters, I forget the drinks. I tried to host a dinner party like a year and a half ago, pretty much gave up on it. I ended up with like a white plastic table the tablecloths had mold on them I didn't know I forgot the drinks I messed up the food the catering didn't happen and last minute we scrambled around to put something together so that's how good I've been at dinner parties I need y'all's prayers okay I need some intercession to grow in this gift but the reason I have a value for hospitality to be real is because as a kid I was entirely spoiled by my grandmother now Benita Phillips is the most hospitable human being on planet earth if, if you saw her here today, you would not recognize her as my grandmother, despite the fact that she's in her 60s. She is six foot three and weighs 275 pounds. You guys might think that she played linebacker for the Chicago Bears. My dad was adopted, okay? So that's why I didn't get the height thing, right? So she's a big lady, and she could just embrace me, man. You know, I was a tiny little nugget. And she would just spoil me, man. And when my parents, you know, my parents uh, early on when I was born, my grandmother kind of raised me because they were so busy, had a lot going on. That's before they really got into church and knew Jesus. And so Benita, my granny, she would take care of me. And man, she was so hospitable. When I came over to her house, it was like entering into the gates of heaven. It was a utopian paradise. I would come into there and I would be so thankful. It's like I was praising God before I even knew how. Because she took such great care of me. She owned a grocery store as well. And so I didn't, yeah, it was crazy, right? Because it was no holds barred. I was able to get any food off the shelf at any time without asking for permission. And I knew I was a son. You know, I was a grandson. I'd go get a frozen pizza out of the deep freeze. I'd walk up to one of the employees and be like, cook that for me. (laughs) And they did. They had to. Because they're like, oh, the grandkid, you know. I'm like, let me get one of those party pizzas, you know. (laughs) Slice it into squares. Make sure you put the ranch on the side. I'm going to go watch some cartoons. Enjoy this hospitality. This is not a lie. This is true. This is very true. And let me tell you, when my granny would take care of me, I would come in at night, and she would run me a bubble bath. And, and you know, she would do a lot of bubbles and everything, and, and then she would get beach towels and put them in the dryer and heat them up. So that whenever I got out of the tub, she'd like wrap me up in a beach towel, you know, and they'd be all warm and snuggly and I'd be so happy like, oh, this is the best, you know. And then she would pick me up and she'd set me in her lap and she had these special little scissors and she'd cut my nails and then she'd cut my toenails. She'd give me a little mani-pedi, you know, and, uh, and then she, 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 she had a, any of y'all's grannies have like a powder poof or whatever, you know, and she'd like powder me and put on my butt and. You know, so I got my jammies on, and, and I'm just like, hey, it's the best, you know. And, and, then, and then she would she had one of those motorized recliners, you know, lean you real, real far back. And so she would, she would make some food for me as a nighttime snack right before she would tuck me in. And normally, sometimes it was cereal, fruity pebbles, because I really like fruity pebbles, and then she would feed it to me. And, I mean, literally, I was like seven years old. I was like, 
We would like watch Looney Tunes. You know. And if she didn't do the Fruity Pebbles, though, she did this thing. And maybe this is a Kentucky thing, but she would do uh, unfrosted Pop-Tarts, but then she would lather them in butter. Man, you ain't lived till you had one of those, man. They're good. That's good stuff. Some of y'all are going to go after this meeting and go get you an unfrosted Pop-Tart and lather it in butter. But you got to get it a little, a little crispy, you know. Man, it was so good. And she'd give me a big thing of chocolate milk. Right? Hashtag plant-based. <laughs> not the healthiest right not the healthiest thing but then after that you know she'd go put me in bed and, and I had my own room there I had a water bed y'all remember those those were popular for a hot minute I had a water bed and she'd heat it up and then she'd put like 15 blankets on it and she'd tuck me in give me a kiss say okay good night and then I would wake up she would get a warm washcloth and she would massage my face now, I'm not lying y'all this is how I woke up she'd be massaging my face it's good morning I'm refreshed. Sleep well. I slept great. I had a full stomach of chocolate milk, a bunch of butter. <laughs> I'm happy, you know. And then she would bring me out. This is no lie. I'm, I know I'm going on with this illustration, but it, it, I want you to get the picture. Uh, so she would bring me out, and I had my own table. And she'd have Looney Tunes on the satellite. Y'all remember the satellite? They had put a huge satellite in the, in the backyard, and it'd take like a long time to turn it to the channel. Did y'all have that? Nobody had that. Okay, anyways. So she would make sure my channel was turned on, and then she would have me hot pancakes poured in the face of Mickey Mouse, and then another huge thing of chocolate milk. That's real life, man. I, I mean, I know you guys think I'm joking. I feel like some of you guys right now are, like, angry with me that I got that treatment. Like, <laughs> punk. I didn't get that. But, hey, look, you can do it for your kids, so I hope it's inspirational. But, but here's the thing. It's like my granny's house for me, right, like, there was a, I, I mean, I went through some hard times as a young adult, and, and there were times I even contemplated suicide. And honestly, the only thing I could think about during some of my worst moments was my granny. And I said, oh, man, I, I, need, to, I need to change how I'm living. You know, granny wouldn't like this. This would hurt granny's heart. I mean, I remember thinking stuff like that. Because what granny did was she created not just a special place. She created a sacred space for me. With her hospitality. And it's like, yeah, I know I can be funny about, you know, the Pop-Tarts and all that. And they are delicious. But the reality is that she created a space for me as a kid that said, you're very important here. You're very valuable here. You have a lot of value. And so I'm going to go out of my way to bless and to serve you. This is going to go beyond entertaining you. I'm actually going to invite you into my heart and I'm going to invite you into my home, and I'm going to ascribe value to you, and I'm going to care for you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm even going to powder your little butt. <laughs> Let's be honest. Minus the powdering of the rear end, what human being does not want that kind of treatment? And I don't just mean the food, but to know that they're loved to know that they're accepted, to know that they're invited in, to know that there is affection that's available for them, to know that they're affirmed, to feel like somebody thought enough of them and their humanity and their dignity to carve out some time and space to look after their needs long before they showed up. What human being does not want that? It doesn't matter what culture you come from, what continent you were born in. Every single human being will respond to divine hospitality because it ascribes that human being eternal value. Yes. 
And this is where the church, by and large, in our modern context, in my opinion, is missing it. Uh, you know, honestly, we have devised all of these crazy, insane, technological, highly expensive programs to try to figure out how to evangelize people. We're spending all this money. We got all these systems. We got all this structure. But you know what? The early church didn't have any of those things. They didn't have a big budget and a bunch of money that they could spend on programs and systems because they shared all the money with each other. Instead of the systems and the structures being what they outsourced their responsibility to evangelize to, they invited people into their homes. The home was the primary tool of evangelism in the early church. Not the church as a building, as a structure, as a warehouse with famous speakers and musicians. It was the home that when people were invited in that did not know Jesus, a space had been carved out and created for them to such an extent that their heart longed to know where this love came from. But if all we have are systems and structures, then we can bypass hospitality and outsource our responsibility to be welcoming to people who are not like us, to programs without personality. Are you guys getting anything out of this? Because I really feel like if we would take personal responsibility for some of these experiences that we see the early church participating in, that we could bring revival to our city. But I don't think the revival is going to happen in our city so long as the church is not hospitable to our city. Hold on. Wait, wait. Before you come in, let me check your Instagram followers because I want to make sure that you're influential enough for me to deem important. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. I don't ever do that. But we, we try to figure out, like, how much value should this person have in my life? Let me look them up. It's really quiet in here right now. How valuable is this person? Let me look them up. We're all very familiar with what racism is, very unfamiliar with what rankism is. Rankism. Racism, you know, you debase, devalue, ostracize, and oppress somebody because they come from a different culture or may have a different skin color than you. But rankism is when you oppress, ostracize, marginalize, and degrade people who do not have the same position in society as you do. And so you devalue their humanity because they are not as well known as you. And you say, oh, they're not important. They're not valuable. I don't need to be hospitable to them. I don't need to magnify or listen to what they have to say because what they have to say is obviously not important. It's not making a difference in anybody else's lives online. Are you guys with me? But being hospitable to the person that don't even have a profile, being hospitable to the person that has no ability to pay you back, being hospitable to the person who's not willing to be in your selfie, you guys with me? Being hospitable to the person that nobody knows and that will never remember. That you just get this moment that's carved out of space and time by Yahweh to show divine love and hospitality to an individual whose heart is crying out for comfort. Hey, I see you. Hey, I see you. I carved out space, not just in my home, but in my heart for you. 
I got some space in my heart for you. I got some space right here. I've prepared. I'm inviting you in. I'm not just giving you truth because I'm trying to get a testimony. I'm inviting you in because I'm allowing your story to have impact on me. You, you guys with me? I'm allowing your story to have an impact on me because I'm coming with love. I'm coming with mercy. I'm coming with compassion. I'm coming with hospitality. A divine invite. The early church didn't have any of these things that we have today, and yet Christianity expanded. Better said, exploded, right? Millions of people heard the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ, without any of the things that we have today. Why? Because they were so hospitable that they invited people into their spaces to where they were inspired to love, where they were loved, where they were greeted with love. This is what we must recover These are the things that Romans 12, the scripture I read to you guys this morning, is talking about. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. You know what that means? Hospitality looks like vulnerability. Hospitality looks like vulnerability. You cannot be hospitable towards another person if you're not vulnerable enough with them to let them in. Or else you're just entertaining. You're just serving because it's a responsibility. Next portion I want to point out is something I repeated. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Hospitality looks like preferring others. In particular, people who deserve what you give them less than you. I've earned this place. Why would I give it up? I've earned this spot. I've put in the hard work. I've given the money. I've paid the price. And yet there's somebody else here that you have an opportunity to step aside and say, there you go. Take that position. Take that seat of privilege. Take that place of honor. Take that raise. Take that blessing. You can have it. I'm hospitable to you. I've made space for you in my life. My life is not so all about me that I can't share positions of blessing and promise with other people. Hospitality is the antithesis of privilege. Think about it. Oh, I'm protecting my position of privilege. I'm not letting anybody in here. No, I'm hospitable. Come into my space. You guys with me on this? That was a little deep. Here's the third thing. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. We're hospitable when we care for others practically. Sharing our food and sharing our home. I don't know about you guys. I I hate to share food. (laughs) Anybody else in here? Like, honestly, I do. I hate to share food. I told my wife when when, when we first pulled up to a drive-thru, when we first started dating, I went out to see her in California, and we were at In-N-Out. And in Nashville, we don't have In-N-Out. So, you know, I'm about to go in. You know, (laughs) I was tempted to get a four-by-four. But I'm like, hey, listen, I, you know, I'm going to get a number two, and uh, what would you like? No, I'm good. I don't need anything. No, no, listen, what would you like? Because everything I'm going to order is going to be from me. (laughs) So, you know what I'm saying? I need, what do you want? If you want a small fry, I need you to get a small fry. 
because I watched my mom, you know, when we were, when, when we were kids, we'd pull up to a drive-thru, and it was six people, and we'd say, Mom, what do you want? She'd say, I don't want nothing. I'll just take one bite of each of y'all's. And how many of you guys know mom can do that if she wants to, you know? And so I just, I just, I said, listen, please, just let me order you some fries. No, no, I'm good. I said, no, no, please, just let me order you some fries. Because I know when the fries come out, they're so good, you're going to want some. And I don't want to share. Not one fry. I'm going to order to the capacity of what I think my stomach can contain. I don't want. Right? But hospitality is practical. It's extremely practical. I love what Mama Heidi says. Love looks like something. Hospitality looks like something. It looks like sharing French fries. It looks like ordering an app for the entire table. We like, y'all go ahead. Order an extra one. It looks like sharing money with people who you know don't have any or are struggling or picking up the tab for them or are volunteering or or paying for their nanny so you guys can go on a double date or you know paying for somebody to clean their house it just there's a practical element of hospitality and that's important be good friends show hospitality help needy christians get creative in how you do this all right last thing guys before i close i want you to know something this is the reason why we need hospitality desperately back in the church today. The reason for it is because our world has never been lonelier. You, you, may, not, you, may, you may not realize that because we communicate a lot on our phones, right? On our smartphones, right? We got to be more than smart. Got to be wise. Don't just communicate, connect. Our world is so lonely. Let me read you guys some headlines that have come out recently. From the Washington Post, the Surgeon General says there's a loneliness epidemic. USA Today says young people report more loneliness than the elderly. The Boston Globe, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. The New York Times, the surprising effects of loneliness on health. The Atlantic, loneliness begets more loneliness. The New York Times, how social isolation is killing us. Slate Magazine, social isolation kills more people than obesity. Let me read you guys a quote from Dr. Vivek Murthy. He is our former Surgeon General. One of the things that he said about loneliness is that it's an an insidious type of stress that leads to chronic inflammation and an increased risk of heart disease, arthritis, and diabetes. Loneliness, get this, this is is what Dr. Murthy said. Loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. How wild is that? We live in in a lonely, lonely world. People communicating, but not connecting. You see people online, you look through their feed, they look happy, commit suicide. See people online, they look happy, you, you, they got a picture of their kids, they're strained from their kids the next week. You see people online, they're with their spouse, and look at us, we're happy. Two days later, they file for divorce. Loneliness. There's a pretense to, yeah, we're, we're doing good, we're connecting, we're doing good, yeah, it's great. But not, not connecting. And, and that's what our world needs. Let me give you guys some truth. Psalm 68 and 6 says, God places the lonely in families. You guys see this? How many of you guys know that God is faithful? Yeah. 
How many of you guys know that this is a promise that comes to us from God? So if God is faithful to send the lonely in family, are we going to be faithful to be hospitable to the lonely? Or are we going to check their resume? Are we going to force them to believe the same way that we do before we show them any love? These are important questions for us to ask. If you guys have been taking notes, I'm going to close in 90 seconds. But I'm going to give you four really, really quick points of how you can practice hospitality. So if you're taking notes, just write them down. I'll be super quick. Number one is this. Don't just commit, belong. Don't commit to a service time, belong to a family. Can I say that again? Don't just commit to a service time. Belong to a family. Come in here. Be real. Like Romans 12 said, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't just stand next to people and worship with them. Like open your heart to them. Be hospitable to them. Let them into your life. Number two, prioritize life-giving community, a.k.a. join a legacy group. You like that? You like that plug right there? But here's the reality. I'm not saying only be friends with church people. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying prioritize life-giving community. Put people in your world. Invite them into your home that encourage you, that strengthen you, that challenge you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three this is very practical. Invite people over. Invite people over. Invite them over to your house. Invite them over for coffee. And invite them to coffee. If you don't know them that well and you're a little afraid about inviting them over because maybe they won't know when you are ready to go to bed, then meet them for dinner. You know, or tell them, right? My close friends, this is what I tell my close friends when they come over. I say, hey, uh, so I'm going to go to bed now, but you can hang out, but I'm going to bed. I love you. Make yourself at home. And don't eat all my cookies. I need my Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Number four, this is practical also. Look for people to bless. Both inside and outside the church, people need help. If you agree with that, just say amen. Be on the lookout for them. This can be anything. This can be cash. This can be food. This can be other things. Look for people to bless. My friends and I, when I lived in Texas, our church, we wore ties in our church. And we had this rule of thumb that if anybody complimented your tie, you'd take it off and give it to them right away. I said, man, I like your tie. Oh, man, it's yours. Man, I like those shoes. What size are you? Man, here. I remember one time somebody blessed me with some Yeezys and uh, and I was I was in California and this other pastor was like, dude, I, man, I've been wanting some Yeezys. Man, those are so sick. I love those Yeezys. Those are the best, man. Those are awesome. I've been wanting some. I want to preach at them. And I'm like, dude, what size are you? And on the inside, I was like, you better be like a 12, bro. I'm a nine and a half. I hope you're not a nine and a half. He's like, bro, I'm a nine and a half. <laughs> Just take them, bro. Just take them. And I think he could tell you, like, no, nah, man, I ain't going to take them. But you're going to take these Yeezys right now. <laughs> I was like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. people I know people who when they cash their check they, they take a hundred and they fold it and they put it in their wallet and they wait for the Holy Spirit to hit them and say give that hundred to that person oh man there it is I'm always prepared I'm always ready to help I'm always ready to be hospitable 
So let's stand and pray. As we pray and as we just worship, here's what we're going to do. Lord, we ask you, help us with hospitality. Don't we, church? Can we pray that right now? Let's just activate and pray that. God, help us with hospitality in Jesus' name. Lord, we repent. We repent for where we made this about us. And we just ask you to help us with hospitality. Help us to invite people in. In Jesus' name.